Welcome to a new liturgical year. Welcome to the season of Advent. While the world is rushing on to Christmas, and it felt, felt like this year even more so, we were rushing to Christmas, um, we as the church take this time to pause. We set our minds more on preparing our hearts to worship Christ in his birth and in his incarnation, which came so suddenly and so unexpectedly. And we remind ourselves that his return will be in such like manner, suddenly and unexpectedly, and so we prepare ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, during all of this that's been going on this year, I have found myself going, Lord, is, is this going to be your return? I think I may have said that to you a couple of times, because it just seems like, at least in my lifetimes, there's never been so much unrest and upheaval and strange things happening and it's not unlike all generations of the church. We've all wonder about these words that Jesus gives us from Matthew chapter 13. What in the world is Jesus saying to us? And is this the time, Lord, or will we tarry on for another time? You have to understand the context here. Jesus is with his disciples. They are there at the temple mound in Jerusalem, and they're looking at the temple, and Jesus begins to prophesy that the temple is going to be destroyed. That will get the attention of your disciples when you tell them that the temple is about to be destroyed. And surely we know historically that in 70 AD, the Romans did destroy the temple because of the repeated rebellion of the Israelites, the, the, the Jewish people. And so um, Jesus is directly prophesying about something that's going to happen in the very near future. Remember, Jesus is living around the 30s, then somewhere in the 30s AD. And, and so we know that Jesus is, is speaking this prophetic word to them. He talks about lots of things. He talks about them, the disciples being carried before judges and not knowing what to say and the Lord giving them words to say in those times. And so there's lots of buildup there. And then we get to our passage here where Jesus begins to talk about two different things. And this is where it becomes confusing. He's talking about things that are about to occur. And then he begins to talk about things that are coming in the future. And understanding which is which is important for us as we, un, as we unpack the scripture. When Jesus talks about the, the tribulation and the sun being darkened and the moon not giving light and these things, this is all um, ap apocalyptic talk. This is, this is really, this is not something to be concerned about. This is not like the end of the world, kind of like, you know, the stars are falling and this, all the planets are getting out of ray. This, this is all apocalyptic language to say that everything in the world, all the powers of this world will be shaken. It's a good thing. Because in those, in those words, that apocalyptic language, Jesus is saying the Son of Man will come. He himself, Jesus, will come on the clouds. He will come for his second advent, his second coming. And he will surprise the world in that time. Like I said, it'll come suddenly and unexpectedly. And, and so Jesus begins to talk about those things and, and begins to say that, that at that time, the Lord will gather from all the ends of the earth those that are his, his elect, those that love God, that have responded to the Lord Jesus Christ and have said that they are truly, they want to bow before him and worship him. He will gather them all together. He's talking about, there about something that's coming in the very distant future. But then he turns and begins to talk about things that are in the immediate. And this is the, the challenge because 
oftentimes, I don't know about you, but as non-Christians confront me with Scripture or we talk about Scriptures, they, they, they say, well, Jesus was wrong because he says there in verse 30 that this generation will not pass away before until all these things shall take place. The problem is there Jesus is talking about the fall of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD. He's talking about the immediate things. He's, he's mixing in the, the distant with the immediate. And so we have to understand how to unpack those things. That's why he talks about the fig tree. He says, look around. Jesus says, you, can, you, you understand a fig. You know when the leaves are ready to, well, first of all, the fig leaves come back, right? Because fig leaves all fall off. The fig leaves come back and they're young and tender. And then you know that the fruit, the, the fig fruit is about to emerge. So you know that, that these things that I'm talking about are about to happen. Jesus could look around at the religious turmoil and all that was going on. And he, he knew and spoke prophetically that, that the Romans were going were gonna to destroy the temple and and there would be persecution, there would be hardship, and there would be suffering. And, and these disciples are going to suffer greatly. We know the first 300 years of the church is, is, is all about the suffering of, of those who are followers of Jesus. But Jesus is, 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 is putting out both things. He's talking about the immediate and he's talking about the distant. But then he goes back. And then verse 32, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son of God, but only the Father. Now Jesus is back to talking about the things that are coming in the future when he will return, his second advent. Seems to me that there are two common problems that we have, two places that we mess up oftentimes when it comes to the end times eschatology, which is the, the word, the, the churchy word for this time, is we, two things. One is that we become skeptical. We become skeptical of the end, that it's not going to happen. Jesus, like any good leader, puts the vision out there to say, no, there will come a time when all things will be made new, when, when I will judge the heavens and the earth and I will put all things right. It's, it's what Isaiah is crying out for in Isaiah 64, our first lesson this morning. Lord, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that you would judge our enemies, that you would judge the unrighteous evil in the world. Isaiah cries out that God would bring about his judgment, that, that he would put all things right. But there's a, there's a tendency towards skepticism, either because things are so bad and we think God's not going to fix it, or because things are so good and we don't want him to come fix it. Can hap- both can happen, right? And we can become skeptical, which is why we need Advent. We, we need to be reminded that, that while we can easily kind of slip into a every day and every week and every year and just go on with our lives plodding along, that we have to keep in mind that, that God has given us this vision that one day he will not only renew the earth, but he will restore all things. And that all the reasons for our pain and all the the suffering of this world will be redeemed and God will make it right. And when he comes, he will bring us to himself. So skepticism is the one, if you will, the one um, pit we can fall into. The other pit that we can fall into is is the other one that I think is, is probably 
in some ways more dangerous, which is, which is speculation. It's becoming fascinated with end times so, so much that we begin to, to, to see pandemics and earthquakes and the falls of the Twin Towers and all these things as somehow signs of the end times and we become fascinated and fixated on those things and we begin to try to draw all of modern history into the, the biblical epic of the world. And, and in so doing, we become fascinated with it and, and we miss the very preparation that the Lord wants us to be about. Skepticism or speculationism. I don't know if that's a word, but I'll add it today. I wonder this morning how, where each of us finds ourselves. Are you, are you, are you a speculator or are you a skeptic? Jesus weaves both these, this whole teaching in, in Mark 13 to try to write and correct us to say that, that we should not be either speculative because no one knows the day and hour. I, I don't understand why when Jesus is clearly saying no one knows the day and hour, why constantly throughout the history of the church are people trying to give us the day and the hour, right? I mean, there have been religious groups over and over again you know, anyway, it's, it's fascinating to me. And then when they get it wrong, they go, well, we got it wrong, but now here's the new date. And then people still follow when Jesus says, no one knows the day or the hour. We're not to be fixated on it, but nor are we to grow skeptical about it. For the Lord will bring about the end of all things, and the restoration of all things. I, what I love there in the midst of these verses is that verse 32, that Jesus says his word will not pass away. What can we hold to in a changing world, in a shifting world where we can't completely see all that's in front of us? We can hold on to his word and be strengthened by the words that Jesus faithfully gave to his apostles who now teach us through the word of God, the Bible. And looking back to the prophetic word, words like Isaiah 64 that remind us that the Lord will come. But I love the fact that Isaiah, he begins, Isaiah 64 begins, you know, rend the heavens, come down, judge my, judge my enemies, my adversaries. But then as, as Isaiah continues to go on, he, he recognizes that it's not just the sinful systems of the world, but in fact there is the sinful nature of his own heart. And he begins to contemplate the fact that, that all of our righteousness as individuals is nothing but filthy rags. And then he cries out to God, but you, God, but you're our father. You're the potter and we're the clay. Oh, that you would come and minister to us. That you would, that you who, who's, who says that there's no one who calls your name, that you call our name. And you come to us. It's important in the midst of, of Advent and this understanding the, that the Lord will come to judge the earth. That the one who will judge the world is the one who has called us each by name. It's the one who loves us and gave himself for us. So we wait, but not for a stranger who will judge us, but for a loving father who loved us and called us. Jesus says, stay awake, be ready. 
Don't be speculating. Don't be skeptical, but be prepared. Be actively waiting. I, I've known people that were, that were in training for things like the Olympics, and, and those people were waiting for their opportunity, but they weren't passively waiting. They were actively waiting, right? They were, they were doing everything they could to be prepared for that opportunity that might come. And so we must be preparing ourselves. Christ, who makes all things new, has a purposefulness in our work. Wherever we do, wherever he's placed us, he wants us to be about that work of restoration in the world around us, in relationships, in in places where we live, in communities. He is calling us to be a part of that restoration work. So the question this morning is, where is he calling you to be busy preparing, to be awake, but not just simply awake, but ready, preparing for action. Oz Guinness writes in his book, The Calling, which I highly recommend, he says, calling is the truth that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is invested with a special devotion and dynamism lived out in response to his summons and service. Jesus says, I've made you my servants. I've called you by name. I want you to be about this work of restoration with me. Stay awake. Don't let it catch you by surprise. Don't fall into speculation. Don't fall into skepticism, but continue to prepare yourself. So my question for us this morning as we begin the season of Advent is, is where in my life is the Lord calling me to work and prepare myself? Is it in my relationship to God himself? Am I called? You know, it's, it's funny, right? We get to December and we just sort of like work sort of drops off, right? And, and uh, we spend more time. You know, this is a strange year, but, but you know, we, we tend to not, not make it do very, it's not very productive. December is not very productive. The Lord is calling us to be preparing ourselves. Am I being called to grow in devotion to the Lord? Am I being called to to come into a wholeness of myself to work with some area of myself that is broken and wounded and that I continually find myself acting out of. And you go, man, that's not me. I I don't want to be that person. And yet, that's what I speak and how I act. Boy, it must be a part of me. But is is the Lord calling you in this season to to work on some aspect of yourself to allow him to, to change you and to renew you? Is he calling you to work on restoration of relationships? It's funny, you know, we just came through Thanksgiving weekend. Your tendency is to sort of let your guard down and just sort of just be. Man, a couple of times, things came out of my mouth that I regretted saying. You know, it was like, Lord, I, I need to restore relationships. Maybe the Lord is calling you to restore your relationship to creation. Certainly you need to get out there and recognize that there is a creation, right? That there's more than just the created spaces of our houses and our computers and all of our technology and, and actually just get out in creation. And some of you need to be acting, acting in proactive ways to bring restoration to our created world. 
where is the Lord calling us to stay awake and actively prepare? Yes, while we wait to celebrate his first coming, but also recognizing that he will come again. For some of us, the first step is to recognize that he's, he's even calling you, that there is a God who loves you and knows you and knows your circumstances and knows your sin and loves you anyway. I love the way Paul begins the letter of 1 Corinthians, and I'll end with this. Paul, if you don't know, we, we studied through the book of 1 Corinthians, and it's, the, the Corinthians were a messed up group. They were haughty, prideful. They, they, were, they were, you know, they turned blind eyes to sin that they should have been dealing with and just all kinds of things. But I love the way Paul begins the letter of 1 Corinthians by thanking God for all the gifts, all the knowledge and the wisdom that he's given to the Corinthians. Now, is Paul just speaking sarcastically? That's the way I would be like, you know, boy, I love it that you're so talented, right? You know, that you're so humble. And, but that's not what Paul's doing. Paul has complete confidence, not in the Corinthians, but in the God who is faithful. And he who began a good work, he says in Philippians, will see it to completion. Paul sees the way the Lord sees us and understands and knows the things he has planned for us. And he gives us times like Advent to press in, sober-minded, awake, to ask that he would prepare us, that we might not miss the opportunities he has to bring glory to his name to find purposefulness in our work and to know and share his gospel with all those he intends to bring us. Stay awake. It's Advent. Amen.